Amazing. Hi, Salwa. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. I like never get nervous, but I'm nervous to have you on today. Oh, don't be nervous. <laughs> um, welcome. So this is Salwa Chobe. She is a to be magnetic coach. She is um, a hand model on the side. Oh, is that right? It is. Thank oh my you. gosh. I always you- forget. And I'm like, I need to say that more because it's just so fun and I want to do more of it. So thank yes. you. Yes. Um, I love that. I saw that. And your, your hand is the hand on the Kenyu forks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I've done some. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Icon. Like that's amazing. <laughs> um, and you're currently in New York city. So, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot to talk about because I feel like that's a big part of your story as well. Um, amazing. Well, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, I like to start with what is most alive for you in this moment? I love that question. Cause it's like my whole body. I'm very, um, I feel into a lot of things. So usually when I have like a question or a place that feels good to me, I can like feel my body either like open up or, or not. Um, and so that question, I feel like, what is it? What, I'm, what makes me alive today or what? what yeah. Like what, what's, what's on top of mind? Like what's, what makes you feel alive right now? What makes me feel alive right now is really owning my power. I feel like I've been going through this new chapter in my life where I'm just um, shedding a deeper, you know, where like you go through something, you shed it, and then you're ready for that deeper layer. And that's where I think that I am in terms of, um, you know, I'm working on creating fundamental hunger, which is this platform. that I started, the idea came to me actually beginning of COVID, but it took a while to come to fruition. And this first season is me interviewing like the black women in my life. And it's all about like sisterhood. And that's something that I definitely lacked growing up. And so I've been really, um, it takes courage to just start something from an idea as you obviously know, and just, you're just like, Oh, I'm just going to do this thing. What am I doing? Why? Um, and so I've, been really owning that and like Mm. managing my time and like really putting into it and and really um I'm redoing the artist's way and like getting Mm. back into my creativity and kind of really seeing like what have I defined power to mean to me like and usually it was external things whether that's like my title or like how much money I'm making and it's like well when those things are not um if you're not like quote unquote proud of those things, like, what are you left with? And I'm like, oh, then that always left me like disempowered, but now I'm having to redefine, like, how do I empower myself regardless of those details or how that ebbs and flows. Um, And that makes me feel really alive and really um, like really brave and really also scared, (laughs) but it makes me feel alive because the, the good thing about all of that is like, I have the solution is in my hands, you know? Oh, I love that. And we'll definitely have to get, I would love to hear more about that. Um, I, well, I originally had an, I had the idea to bring you on the podcast because you were talking about like wanting to stand more in your light. And I was like, here, here is your light. Like, let, <laughs> let's just shine it on you. Um, I know that you're, you've got some Leo, some Leo Mm -hmm. in your astrology chart. And, um, 
it's so, it's been so fun to watch your journey, like from afar, obviously I've just met you this morning, but, um, you really have been like just rising into your power and it's so noticeable, um, through the internet, if that's no, I really appreciate that. And I receive that 100% because I feel it. And it's nice when you hear something like that and you're like, yeah, she's right. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's so fun to just see that progression. Like and it's fun when people that don't know you very well notice that it's like, you're doing all the right things. You can, you know, it's reflecting back. So, so much. Uh, yeah. So you're currently in New York city, but you grew up on the West coast. Yes. And before that you're from Uganda. So can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in New York? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was born in Uganda and I moved to the States when I was really young, three or four, I grew up in Seattle, Washington, or like outside of Seattle. Okay. And I always wanted to leave Seattle. <laughs> I always wanted to leave Washington. Um, I always wanted more, just like a bigger city, more things. I just like always wanted more. I don't know how to describe it. The first time I went to New York, I was in high school. I think I was like 14, 15. And I was like, oh my God, we have to move family. We need to move to New York. We have to go. Why do we live in freaking suburbs of Seattle? We need to move. And everyone was like, we're not doing that, obviously. And I was so, I remember coming home and for a week I was so sad and I was so upset that I had to live there and not in New York city. Cause I felt so alive. I could feel it. I'm like, I can't believe, you know, it was the more that I'd always been wanting and I had never seen it. So I think I've always been so a lot, like New York makes me feel very, very alive. Mm-hmm. I love it here so much. Um, I know a lot of people stay here for decades and they're like, New York sucks. I need to leave. And I get that. Actually, I don't get that because I don't feel that way. And I'm still, I've only been here for a few years, um, but it is, it's home um, and I love it. And so then after Seattle, after college, I moved to LA for seven years and then I was like, I need to leave LA. And I'm like, I need, need to finally move to New York. I was transitioning work. Um, nothing was really happening. I was applying for jobs, but they were in LA, but I wasn't getting a bite of anything. I'm like, you need to go. Yeah. And I left and, you know, it was a bit of a little rock, not, you know, it was like any move and you're like trying yeah. to figure it out. Didn't have a job, didn't have all these things. Um, but it was worth it. And so that's why, yeah, I'm still here. Where in, where in the city do you live? Um, so right now I'm in the village. Um, okay. it's actually, we're in between homes is what my partner and I like to say, okay. because okay. We were in Soho. And then in October, we actually gave up our apartment. We were on the West coast for a bit, which we did a lot in COVID. Um, his okay. family lived in New York city. Mine lives in Seattle. We had friends in LA. So we were kind of hopping around and then we did that. And then we came back we're like, we're going to move back to Brooklyn. But now I'm like, no, I'm not ready to leave Manhattan yet. Like we'll move. <laughs> so now we're, we're yeah. looking for a place, but somewhere um, around. Yeah. yeah the East village is like, it is like a little mini home in the middle of a huge city. Yeah. Yeah. Are you in village? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a West sider. I was, I was on the East side. I was like lower East side, East village. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. but West village is great too. Do they still have cafe Clover on the West side? It closed down actually. It, it, it ended like early pandemic. Cause actually my old job, like we used to do stuff with them and it closed down. Pretty 
exactly. But it's all still there. Like nothing's taken over. Huh. It still has signage and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. spot. Yeah. I love to eat in New York. I didn't like living there, but I do love <laughs> all of the food. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh. Um, so I heard you're by coastal too. What was that? What has that been like? Have you been like going back to LA a little bit or are you still like mainly? In yeah, it's funny. I always thought I'm like, oh, I'm going to be bi-coastal. I always thought yeah. so cool. like, yeah, I'm going to live on both coasts. And I always thought I had to have a job. And apparently I just needed the pandemic to happen by my coastal. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I work from home. Uh, my partner, they're like recently went back to the office. So we just had a lot of flexibility. And so I wouldn't say necessarily I'm bi-coastal. I think it's home base will always be New York, but we do like to go and visit. Um, you know, I definitely have no desire to live in LA again. Um, I have no desire to live in Seattle. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> and, um, but I love visiting it. You know, my family's there. My, my little brother just had a baby. Um, and so being far away is hard, but I love like Park City. I'd never been before I met my partner and beautiful like the like mountain west is just so stunning their house is beautiful their views and it's really become like a new home for me Mm -hmm. um and it's uh you know I met them in the pandemic and we've stayed there for I mean I stayed with this family for weeks at this point like all together probably a couple of months and vice versa so we've all like, there's no more like trying to impress that. Like we all yep. do our own things. We know what the deal is. We come home. It's like very warm. It's very welcoming. Um, you know, we miss it. We're like going back in the summer. So it's been really nice to like have, um, as we're in between homes, having these little other areas. Where yeah. yeah. It's a really great way to like, get to know a significant other's family, like very quickly, just go live with them for a couple months. Yeah, and- exactly. Just <laughs> Like, yeah. And we're still in love and it's working out. So I, like, Hey, I guess we can do anything. I, I love that. Um, so now, now that we like, now that I feel like I know you, um, I'd love to like dive right into your, your trigger to life moment. I always, I always have that as like one of the first questions and I'm like, it could be like a lot, a little off pit putting if I'm like, nice to meet you. Now, can you tell me your deepest, darkest rock bottom you've had? Like, <laughs> I'm all about it. We don't have time for the small. I'm like, yeah, let's get into it. We all know why we're listening to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. So I, I would love to hear a little, I, I kind of feel like we all have multiple trigger to life moments, but, um, I'd love to, I'd love to hear you share about one that's been significant and you've learned and grown a lot from. Yeah. I definitely, the one that always comes up is, um, in 2000, back in 2000, no, 2000, I guess 16, maybe 17. Um, I was, I had a really big rock bottom. I remember, um, I was in Spain with one of my best friends. It was the most phenomenal trip. Like, you know, he's great. We had such a good time. We were in Barcelona and all these things. And I remember it was, we were there through the new year, like through Christmas. Mm -hmm. We didn't go home. We just like traveled. And then we're going out for New Year's Eve. And I just remember crying on the floor, you know, the crying on the floor moment, but physically just on the floor crying. And I'm just like, the first thing I said was, I'm going to be, I'm going this new year and I'm single again. Mm. That was of course like the kind of the easy thing you can latch on to, but so much more than that. And I was just like, the way I'm going about life right now with myself 
And I was just unhappy in the sense of, I was so emotionally detached from me and Mm -hmm. so avoidant. And so I had repressed my feelings for so long and all was just coming to a head. And I was just like, I cannot go into this year. Something has to change. Like, this is like, I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm here and we're having good times, but like deep down, there's something that I am, um, I'm hiding from myself and I need to look at what that is. And of course, immediately after, you know, him and I made a little pact when we started, you know, encouraging each other, sending us quotes every day and like really leaning on what we needed to do to grow out of this like emotional rut that we were kind of both in, in different ways. Um, and then of course, once you commit to that, then the books come, the teachers come, the, the, all of it kind of comes together. And then eventually it led me to the TBM work and, you know, here mm-hmm. I am now as a coach, but that moment was very, I like made a choice. I'm like, you need to get it together. I didn't have, I'm just like, something needs to change. Like yeah. you are, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. You are sad and you're pretending that you're not. <laughs> That's it right there. It's so interesting because I always feel, well, I think sometimes that like a deep desire for partnership is really like a deep desire to know oneself and to be yeah. like the reflection from a partner of yourself is like, so it feels so good. And it's really like the desire to want to go deeper into self. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for those of, for the people that don't know what to be, magnetic is or TBM, even though I think most of my listeners have probably heard me talk about it on my Instagram or somewhere before. Can you tell people a little bit about what TBM is an overview of the process and, um, what specifically helped you move into, you know, being where you are today? Yeah. So TBM is, you know, we're, it's a manifestation process, but it's rooted in, um, it's called neural manifestation because it's really getting to the heart of where you are manifesting from, which is your subconscious mind, Mm -hmm. um, consciously want a lot of things. Uh, we want a new job, we wanted whatever, but it's like, is your subconscious on board? Does it believe that it was possible? Does young Salwa, did she see the love that she is desiring now? Mm. No, (laughs) most likely whatever your inner child, the environment you grew up in is not in alignment. Something is off there in relationship to the thing that you're asking for Mm. right now. So it's really getting to the root of like, what are those limiting beliefs that lie in your subconscious that you need to reprogram and, you know, create stronger neural pathways that are again in those beliefs are in alignment with what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I help people um, navigate the work, our workshops, um, really outlining what they're calling in, how do they want to feel, what is their authentic self and all of the muck that's sitting on top of it that we need to peel away yeah. to really get closer to the person that they want to be and the life that they want to create. And the manifestations at the end, like after doing this work for so long is a beautiful byproduct. Sure. Like the tangible things, but I have grown so much from, you know, um, how much more emotionally available I am as a person. Like mm-hmm. my judgments have dissipated because I'm less critical. I'm like, my shadow isn't the one like effing things up, you know what I mean? And getting in the way, getting in my own way. Um, so yeah, we work with people to really just reprogram those subconscious beliefs, um, finding what um, the team has, the brand has um, 
trademarked as expanders, which is seeing to believe what you want is possible. So really finding those people in your life that you're just like, wow, I can have that. Um, My inner child needed to see that that was possible for me. And then what are all of those aligned action steps that you can take? Because as soon as you declare what you're wanting, life will show up. And that's like, oh, you want that? Okay. Well, the things that were not working are going to start to crumble. You know, you're going to start seeing things in different ways. Things are going to have to give, and you're going to be given opportunities to show up differently, whether you're going to choose your limiting behavior or really see like, what is my unique patterning in relation to whatever it is that you're wanting? And where do I really need to intervene mm-hmm. to like, not only reinforce a new high self-worth in my subconscious mind, but in my conscious day to day so that mm-hmm. I am like building that trust and that confidence. And so that my default is no longer that thing that's no longer serving me. Mm. I love that. That's a great overview. Thank you for explaining that. I'm always trying to <laughs> share with people and I'm like, ah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I will just send those them right to this podcast so that we can listen <laughs> to that explanation. Cause it was perfect. Um, did they have rock bottom back when you, um, you know, we're doing the workshop started. No, they had, um, she had how to manifest, um, opulence, which is not on block money in her child's maybe shout out. It was very minimal. It was, there wasn't even like the daily DRE. Like it was, I was like in the beginning and then, um, eventually later she, she did those workshops, which were really great, that like rock bottom rut. Um, but it was uh, pretty minimal at the time. And I remember when it, I, I think I heard it on a podcast and it just clicked. I was like, yeah. oh. And I'm ready for this. And it was like on my way up towards moving to New York and everything. Um, so yeah, I was, it came in the right time. Yeah. I was ready to like go deeper. You no, know what I, mean? I, I, everyone always laughs at me. I'm like, I did rock bottom two times a day for six months when I went through, um, my trigger to life moment, literally why this podcast is born is a lot, a lot has to do with like TBM and all the work that I did with TBM, but it is like such a great foundation when you're going through a hard time because it gives you like, it holds you. And it gives you that, like, if you can follow something, like when you're going through turmoil, it feels so much easier than doing it alone. At least you feel like you're working towards something that's going to make you feel (laughs) a little bit better. Yeah. And it's because it's like all of our triggers, like moments, I'm assuming it wasn't the first Um, I kind of describe it as like, I can look back and think of all the other ones or all the other rock bottoms. But to me, when I even hear trigger to life, it's like, oh, this is happening and I'm awake to this and I'm ready to like actually move through it and like soar through it versus just happened again, happened again. And life is like, okay, let's send her another one, maybe this time, but you're not like awake to be like, okay, what can I do differently? Like what is in here? Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. Cause, um, I always tell people, I'm like, well, be careful what you manifest because, you know, I was manifesting a bathtub, but I had to lose the wellness studio, the apartment, the partner to move into a new apartment that had a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it's amazing. It's super effective. Just be careful what you're going for. Well, you don't like, that's the thing, right? You can't, we all want the thing and we declare, but we forget that you don't know how it's going to come. Totally. Right. And a lesson that you need to learn that might be really hard depending on where you are. Um, and then it's like, Oh shit. All I wanted was, you know, a new place. And it's like, no, your codependency <laughs> is effing you up. So we're going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It was just like, 
no, we're going to do it. We're going to do a deep excavation and it's going to be in more line, but it's going to be different. Um, <laughs> so when you think of the patterns that, well, one, I want people to know too, like it's for manifestation, but the, uh, the transformation that you experience on a personal level is so much more like incredible and satisfying than like any material possessions you could ever have. Um, because I think some people get tripped up in manifestation of like, you want all these things. And it's like, no, we want to like dig through these deep subconscious patterns to feel just like really good. And I don't know, I think of it as like happy and not constantly triggered in your day-to-day life. Exactly. And just like authentic, like what is, what do I, how do I want to show up in life? unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from a patterning standpoint, like what did you feel like you had to let go of and like what patterns were like, just kind of almost like bogging you down? Oof. What's your favorite one that you, that you're so proud of working through? Well, I mean, my longest pattern for a while was avoidance. Like I, and once I actually realized that that was a thing, you know, like reading attached and just being like, Oh, you're emotionally avoidant. Oh, you had emotionally avoidant parents. I'm like, Oh, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. This tracks, this tracks. Okay. Okay. This is my pattern here. Whether that was with relationships, my feelings, my finance, it was just like, look away, pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not going to, um, face this thing. I'm just going to turn away and like, hopefully it'll get better. Um, it (laughs) it never did. Um, so I feel like that's always my pattern in terms of, and I just equate that with, I'm, you're, I'm hiding from myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm removing the stimulus, but what's still there is, is still in my field. It's in my energy. Like it's going to latch onto the next thing. So I'd say that that was a pattern in terms of just avoiding my emotions, avoiding whatever felt was challenging and avoiding it within myself. And so this work really made me sit with a lot of things. And I think that that was one of the biggest transformation is the intimacy I, I needed to have with me. Mm. which was ultimately holding me back from a lot of, um, the deep connections to love, to, to everything, just like life in general. Um, and so that's definitely a a pattern that I had. And I would also say a pattern around, um, another kind of, um, stem of avoidance would be like playing really small. Cause obviously if you're avoiding, you're playing small and you're dimming, but I think I just got, I was so comfortable with um, being in the background and like doing like the busy mousy work or like, you know, always chasing careers and jobs and like wanting that title and, and having that, my identity be so attached to that, which is why usually life, like my biggest wound is always around like how much money am I making? Like, what is the, like all of that. And I've really had to, and continue to (laughs) really like detach from that. So I think my pattern is also, um, having my power be those two things versus like, again, what is, why am I powerful on my own and Mm -hmm. how, what am I bringing to any experience, situation, person, um, versus, yeah, I think it's like the pattern of like not being afraid to stand on my own two feet. And Mm -hmm. I think I've always been easier to like, I grew up in a lot of situations being like the sidekick and like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm like, cool person's best friend, or I'm the, in the back, but 
really always wanting more or even being like shown like, oh, you can do this. And people mirroring that back to me and me being like, wait, what, what are you seeing? Tell me more. I don't know. I don't see that. What's going on. Um, And so somehow I was still emitting that energy, but it was really hard for me to accept that. And now in this chapter, again, going back with power is like, no girl, like you, it's you. Yeah. There's people there, but like, it's you. Yeah. Uh, I love that. What, like, so I also know you're, you have a Virgo moon. Um, yeah. Virgo moon. And my area, I don't know if you know, North node. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my North node is Aries in the first house. Oh, like totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, a lot of things yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I heard, I was, I was hearing you two talking a lot about, um, perfectionism mm-hmm. yeah. and my best friend is also, um, a Virgo moon and like there are, she tends to have like this high self-criticism and it's like, she's so incredible. And she has like, it's almost like she can't always see it, but because like, it's such like a deep, like, you know, almost like perfectionistic tendency that she's so aware of now, but I was wondering if you have experienced that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, I think right now I, a while back kind of made the decision of not even identifying with that term. Cause I think it's really helpful to, cause I think a lot of us are like, well, cause I'm a perfectionist, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like that label isn't serving you. So mm. I'm kind of just, I'm not, a, I'm no longer going to say I'm a perfectionist. Cause after that, you're just like, it's still with you. It's a part of your identity. And it's funny. Cause I was talking to a friend not that long ago. Um, and she was like, let, let it be messy. And I'm like, Ooh, I like that. That sounds mm. um, less scary than it used to be. Um, but I think definitely I used to be a perfectionist, but again, that's just like hiding because what are you trying to run away from? For me, it was like running away from uh, negative feedback or mm. like getting it quote unquote wrong and trying to be the teacher before being a student, like being, a, mm. un- being afraid of being like a novice when really like novice, novice. Mm before you are, um, trying to like prove yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think that perfectionism just like strips the joy out of everything because you're not, you're, it's like, you're wanting this linear, linear, very clean, like dis undisrupted, like journey. And I'm like, hi, that's not life. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't really identify with that anymore, but I think I definitely used to. And I think I definitely used to in the terms of, um, I think always, like being black, growing up with a bunch of like predominantly white spaces and always being very hyper aware of how I needed to come across because, you know, typically, uh, you know, being, when you are a person of color, it's like you're representing, you're not just representing you. And that's like this burden and this thing that people put on you for no reason. And it's not just like Sawa. And I'm like, okay, make sure you're like X, Y, and Z so that I'm representing like an entire race. Like what the hell is that? So I think there, that was also that added pressure of to be, um, palatable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I heard you say like rejection or perfection is also like avoiding rejection. So it's like, you have the perfection, but there's just so much underneath it. That's actually more important to work through than the actual label of perfectionism. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like the rejection, like when I think like, what does that really mean? Oh, so one of 
someone I love. Her name is Jazz, Jazz of Moon. And one of my favorite quotes of hers is rejection is just waiting is rejection is shoot. This is my favorite quote. Hold on. (laughs) It'll come to you. Rejection is waiting to be affirmed something similar to that. Cause that's really what it is, right? If your fear of rejection, you're waiting for someone to validate you. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like a bid for love? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so I think if you're not looking for that validation, you're not scared of rejection because you know that you're going to have your back at the end. So like, who's going to, re- you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you are validating you and you can take feedback and you can take, uh, and use discernment on like what you want to, what you want to leave, what you want to, um, take with you, yeah. but you're not looking for approval. Mm. Yeah. I think I heard you say, um, something about like, you're never going to be like everyone's cup of tea. So just showing up as you is like ultimately how you're going to find your people. Like not everyone's going to like you. And that's actually like, that's great because then you're going to like find the people that do want to be friends or, you know, want to follow you, want to like you, whatever, want to be friends with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like really like has been sitting in my mind the past couple of days because, you know, like sometimes I'll go on TikTok and I'll just talk and I'm like, eh, like, is that really in alignment with my brand? Oh, is that like in alignment with who I want to show up as? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm just showing up as me for this like 30 second segment. And like, if someone doesn't like it, then they can keep scrolling. Like, you know what I mean? But it's more of a practice of just like sharing my voice as opposed to, um, you know, curating something for the masses. Exactly. Cause then you're not one, there's no authenticity because you're just trying, you want everyone to like you, but we got to be more brave to like disappoint a lot of people. Mm. You know what I mean? And like to find the people who authentically want to connect with you. And it's definitely not going to be everyone. And it's no hard feelings. I think that sometimes we, there's plenty of people out there that I don't connect with or that I don't know about, or I'm not like biting at the bits to like know everything about them. No hard feelings. It's just like, okay, but you, okay. I'm not your target yeah. audience. No big <laughs> I love that. It's so refreshing. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to hear a little bit about how you found your manifested your partner. Um, I know you had mentioned that work was something that you always, um, were constantly focusing on. And I was wondering, um, kind of, well, one, like was, did you, did something have to shift in work for you to call in a partner or like career or like how, how is that connected? Yeah. So I, um, I always projected my fears of relationship. Cause I was, you know, detached. I was shut off. I'm like, I can't do love. It's, you know, um, it takes away your, this and your independence and your freedom. And I'm just like, F that I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And, (laughs) um, but then when I finally realized how I was dating my career, I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you're actually being like the desperate, needy, non-autonomous person that you're scared of being in love. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was, I wasn't actually avoiding anything by not falling in love or not putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. I was already living it out. And I think a lot of us don't realize 
that we're probably already living out what some of our greatest fears, which like mm-hmm. maybe sounds not like amazing, but it's kind of true. And then when you look at that, you're like, oh, then what am I so scared of? Like it's literally already happening right now. And so when I realized that, oh, I'm actually already losing my independence. This is how I'm giving away my independence to my job. And that's been my pattern. Then I realized, oh, okay. What actually needs to shift for me to, um, for me to allow my, like for me to trust that I'm going to show up for myself. Cause I think I also just didn't trust that I would not repeat the same mistakes that I had in the past. So again, you know, I created walls instead of being like, well, no, what work have I done? What have I learned? So I know that when it comes, like I'm going to be able to handle it in a different way. Cause I'm a different person now. And yeah. so when I, before I manifested Tommy, um, I had that revelation with work and I was like, wow, I'm so burnt out. I, this is not healthy. It's not sustainable. Um, I also like loved bomb my jobs, you know, you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, and as an avoided, that's like a common thing that usually people do is like really strong. And then you pull away. Cause you're not like actually available. And I look back and I'm like, Oh, I did that with work a lot. Like I'd like be all in. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I gave too much. This isn't working. Like, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. And like not sustainable. And it wasn't like a slow and steady, intentional, like, or mindful kind of experience. It was just like fast, hot, heavy, um, without really checking in. And so once I realized that I made the decision of like, I got a date, like I got to put myself out there. Um, and it sounds so simple to be like, yeah, to fall in love, you have to date. But I, and I think so many other people don't want that. They're like, I just want to skip to the thing. And it's like, Well, number one, I'm so happy that I didn't skip to where we are now because we've created so many beautiful moments and a lot of them in the beginning. So I don't think anyone should wish to skip time in, in general, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I get why we do that, but um, those beginning moments in dating were like such a pivotal, magical, like part of our story. And Mm -hmm. so once I did realize that how I was dating my job was actually from a lot of low self-worth and how I needed to show up in love and giving myself that opportunity. I'm like, I'm going to date. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to date me. Like going on dates. I'm like, it's not, what are they doing? What are they not doing? How am I showing up? How am I feeling? Yeah. I would journal after everyone. Why did I like this? Why didn't I like that? Mm-hmm. And I expanded. Am I, like, it was just a very meaningful, awake, conscious choice. And I'm like, you're dating because you are prior. Cause I think dating can be so intense because it's like, Oh, I'm wasting my time or like another date or another date. And I'm like, yeah. we're prioritizing what you want, which is love. Mm. That's what you're doing. You're prioritizing something that you're wanting, which is love a family one day. Like you have to date. <laughs> so it's like, it's not, I'm not wasting time. I'm like prioritizing this thing. That's meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, so And it's funny because a lot of my work, like I didn't date a bunch, like moved to New York. I was dating had a lot of work stuff. I moved through a lot of um, shame around not being desired because a lot of the reasons why I didn't date and join app is also because I was like, well, if someone doesn't swipe on me, like all of these little things of Mm. you're not enough, like you're not desirable, you're not attractive, you're not like you, no one wants you most likely. Mm. And it's funny to think back at that now. Cause I don't feel like that at all, yeah. um, but it was very real then. So I had to do a lot of that work. And then I started just dating really consciously. And then right before I met Tommy, there was this other guy and we went on two dates and I was like, 
he showed a lot of um, what I would have thought would make me desirable, like interested and, you know, invited me over on the second date. And then I finally was like, wait, this is what I think it means to be desired. I was like, no, this is so silly. You know, I got it. And then I realized I'm like, actually I am in control of what makes me desirable. This is what makes me desirable. This is how I believe I'm desirable. Mm -hmm. This is the type of connection I want to make. And then, um, you know, uh, he asked me out again. I was like, no. And then Tommy and I went on our first date like the next week. Yeah. And it was my first and only date of 2020. Wow. Cause did you meet him right before the pandemic hit? Yeah. Like it was January. We started talking on hinge in like December. Um, and we had chatted a little bit, um, like he was at home, things in the line. And then he finally circled back and he also had his own revelation. Like when we talk about how he wanted to intentionally date moving forward. And so when he was looking through all of his kind of like matches and things, he was like, no, I really want to like get to know Saul whatever reason. And like we, and that's, what happened? <laughs> I, I love that. I love, a, I love a pandemic get together. Yeah. And yeah. And so it happened very, um, you know, it was faster, but it was like slow. It was intentional. It was like, it also forced me to look at it. Cause that's the thing, right? Once you get it, doesn't mean like the work is over and it's like, woo, everything's fine. And that, yeah. I was like, I, I'm like, I can't call my boyfriend yet. Like, no, uh, I like, you know, maybe later, like he'd call me his girlfriend, but I can't, he can't be my boyfriend. Like all of these things come up. My friends on the phone, just like, Saul, what are you effing serious? <laughs> like, like, I'm not ready. I don't know. Um, <laughs> like all these things were coming up and I like, but I had the tools to work through them. And I'm like, and I had to work through quite a bit and I had to be available for conversation and be like, yeah. you know, and so yeah, I had to keep showing up. Unfortunately. I know. <laughs> and unfortunately it's like you get the thing and then the thing brings up all the patterns you that you have around the thing and you're like oh okay yeah I'm like I just wanted a boyfriend I didn't want to do all this other stuff. <laughs> um yeah I I that resonates <laughs> um so oftentimes when someone in a family has like this awakening whatever shift in perspective whatever you want to call it you know, the family is like, what is, what's happening? What's going on? Like, you know, was your family, is your family, has they shifted because of your work with TBM? Are they into it? Does your boyfriend manifest? Like, what does that look like for the people around you? Um, I don't think, no, my parents, my family's definitely not like manifesting. I think they're kind of like Sala. I've always done my own thing. My, I'm like, Pisces rising, my head's always kind of in the clouds. I'm very like on, I'm usually, I have been like on another planet a little bit. And I think they've always been a little bit more practical, like my brother. And in a way that they're just like, Saul was really brave. Like I could never do that. She like just yeah. goes, like does this thing or whatever and like quits and all these things. And so I think they make fun of me for it too, but they, it's not like a judgmental thing. They're kind of just like, of course you're a manifestation coach. Like, yeah. That makes, you know what I mean? Like, whoa, of course. <laughs> I love that. It's so nice that they just, they embrace, like they embrace who you are. Yeah. And I think that what has shifted is my, you know, personal relationships with people, like de- definitely the level of compassion for my parents, level of connection and how our relationships have shifted. Cause you know, of course, once you start doing that internal work, like your family is a really great way to be triggered all the time and like blame or just be like, 
oh my God, I'm you. Like this is, this makes sense. It's because of <laughs> you're why I'm avoided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh yeah, cool mom and dad. But once you kind of work through this too, I got through a lot of, um, the shame. Cause it's like, you also have to be brave enough to look at, um, you know, of course, loving your parents, loving your family, they did the best they can, but also what is the impact it had on me in a way that isn't serving me in a way that it has. And that takes, cause I think it's easy to minimize or just like, no, everything was fine. Like, you know, it was cool. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but was it, you know, obviously yeah. not, not fully. Otherwise I wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. Like, I'm in that. like everything would just be coming in. Yeah. So I think it changed my relationship, especially with like my mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, the level of like communication, compassion, the mirrors that she would always present, um, you know, my dad, like everything, I think in terms of me, I've shifted a lot, um, yeah. how I show up to them, how I see them and how, um, just like a lot of compassion. I think a lot of times yeah. it can be anger and frustration, but I think now it's shifted more. Not that those things don't happen, but I'm, it's just a different, it's different, you know, it's less like judgy and all these things. It's just like, okay, um, how, what is reflecting this? Like, how is this affecting me? What do I need to reflect Mm -hmm. on letting people be who they are, wherever they are, like, you know, even if they're that way their whole life, but it's just like, no one, no one around you needs to change for you to show up differently. And yeah. we can't do that. Otherwise you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. Mm. So it's really being empowered to be like, if that's going to be your parent forever, what has to change within you? What mm. do you need to do in order to fully show up as yourself? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, an interesting measurement that I heard I've heard you speak about before is the amount of time it takes between something a parent does, like something that would trigger you and the amount of time it takes for you to work through that, whether it's like when you first started the work, it was three days and you'd be like, Oh, I'm so annoyed. And now it's it's like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such an interest, a good tangible description of like how the work can shift things. It's not like it makes your life perfect. It just makes you react in a more, I don't know, level headed, grounded way. Absolutely. I think like your comeback is you're so much more resilient, Mm. you know, it's like, um, for me, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is for me, you know, like something here is for me. And I'm not afraid to move through those emotions and not, I'm not afraid to be like, what is my inner child need in this moment? Cause that's what I have control to do. And like reparenting myself in real time. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it is. Right. A lot of the time when I'm triggered, I'm just like, yeah. it's not, you know, 34 salt year old saw necessarily it's like something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a past coming in and like being triggered or needing something. And I think I've definitely noticed that when something happens and I'm just like, okay, I can walk it through or I can notice I'm like, Oh, that's that same pattern. Oh, that's that same shadow. Like, cool. Yeah. I know what that is. I'm ready. I can do this. I can take it deeper. I have the tools. I believe in myself. Um, some things are a little like still can take, it doesn't, it's not always so quickly or like the, the time is one measurement, but I also think it's your, um, or it's my, my, how I relate to it almost immediately Mm. is different than how I would have related to it in the past. Even if it's hard or it takes a little bit of time, I'm still relating to it from a much more like integrated place. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have different measurements aside from time because, you know, sometimes I think we get so stuck on time in so many different ways. Um, yeah, I've always thought when people say like, I'm fine or, you know, I heard you talk about like, Oh, other people have it worse Yeah. for you. Is that like an avoidant of the emotion, like an avoidance of going into what you're actually feeling? Cause I see a lot of, um, my, like my younger clients specific, like specifically they're like, well, I, cause they've grown up in this, like they understand their privilege. They, you know, they're very conscious in that way that, but they'll be like, well, I know that like, I need to be appreciative because X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's true. And like, what's below that? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're minimizing your experience, I think it's important to be able to, um, acknowledge, uh, sure. Like something has it worse or like, especially comparing to certain circumstances where you can really be like, okay, wow. Am I dwelling on this too much? Am I like, what am I kind of missing here? And, and mm-hmm. having like more of a, like a healthier, um, viewpoint about it. But if you're just like pretending that it's fine, like, oh, because someone so has it worse. So like, someone's always going to have it worse. Someone's always going to have it better. Quote yeah. unquote right? Like the grass is always greener. Yeah. Someone's going to have something. That person that has something is going to think that that person has something or like, you know what I'm saying? But I think even having that healthy perspective of like, oh, wow, well, I have a roof over my head or like, I'm not worried about like where my next meal is coming from. Yeah. yeah those are all true. And you can still be grateful for that, but that doesn't mean that you aren't sad in this moment because you also have to know, um, like, what is your experience? Like, this is your experience. And this is what sadness looks like to you in your life. Even to someone else, that would be like the most ridiculous thing ever because it's in a different place. Right. So I think you still have to investigate and let yourself be sad. You don't necessarily have to know why or, um, justify why you shouldn't be, but just let yourself be. Cause I think also that affects how you let other people move through their own too. Mm. Yeah. Like, can you, I do have to have experienced something to be able to hold something in that someone in that experience. I think it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And also you never know if you're not investigating and digging, like you never know what it's going to be. Like what, what do you, how do you know what else is underneath there? If you're just like, no, it's all good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So before you had mentioned that you've like, you've grown into like, enjoying the spotlight, like being seen. Um, I know that like in a former life, you wanted to be a host of like a, t- a TV show or television show. And then, wow, you you research. yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. I like, I like dive deep into you as well. I had like so much fun this past like week, just being like, Oh my God, I'm going to listen to this random podcast from like 2019 on you. And I'm going to go through all the TBM money network stuff. Like I just, I, I learned so much. So it was like really fun. Um, and I also feel like I've just, I'm a fly on your wall now. Um, <laughs> but one thing I heard you, you talk a lot about was like, okay, so you like, it's always been part of your authentic code to be seen mm-hmm. in a way. And then you hid for many many years, maybe, maybe you came out here and there, but now I've personally really noticed like you stepping back into the spotlight. And can you talk a little bit about how 
when something's your authentic code, but also part of your shadow, how like you may go into hiding and like, then come back out on the other side, because I I feel like I've personally experienced this, but I've never heard anyone talk about it. Like you have. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the times, you know, when we're thinking of our, whether you're doing an authentic code or just like your values, um, for example, if you're wanting to be, um, an artist, like a lot of people who like are wanting to pursue things are creative and it's like, they're a part of their authentic desire, but they have a lot of shame around it because they were maybe told that, well, that's not, that's not a a suitable career. You're not going to make money. You're going to be broke. Or they were never encouraged for their creativity. They were never seen Mm -hmm. for that, even though it's a real desire. So I think, um, it's really common to have our shame wrapped up into those authentic things because those authentic values are part of most likely what we needed growing up that we probably didn't get or didn't get in a way that like actually suited us. Right. And so I think it's definitely really calming to have like your shadow or your shame around it, depending on what your inner child did or didn't get. Um, but I think especially doing that shadow work and releasing the shame and I think doing it slowly, right. Because when I first started, I'm like, Oh, these are my values. And then I kind of went, the more I, um, peeled back the layers. I'm like, actually, it's not really, it's not, not, but I'm like, what else is going on? So I think it's also allowing yourself to like evolve and change and really defining why is that a value to me specifically, mm-hmm. because we can have the same value, but it's going to feel different. It's going to look different. Um, it's going to just mean completely different things. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about like, really going by what your definition is mm-hmm. and allowing your inner child to be like, no, we can actually do this. Um, and really releasing the shame of like why we felt like we couldn't or why, um, what we actually needed growing up to be like, okay, this is actually a desire that I have. So how can I do it now in my life? You know, yeah. like how can I be that inner artist or creative or how can I, um, uh, I don't know, like one of my codes is sisterhood. And mm-hmm. I realized, and that's why I started fundamental hunger. And I'm just like, well, I didn't have like black sisterhood really growing up. Like, and I didn't realize how much I really, I don't think it's something I could articulate at an early age Yeah. But in life. I was like, oh yeah. And then as, as an adult too, and then thinking like I couldn't have it or like it would never happen. And then, which is obviously not true. Yeah. Um, wanting to create that for myself as well. So it's like, I had shame around thinking that I wasn't, um, I wouldn't be included. Like I didn't belong in that type of sister because I never had it. So like I was an outcast, but really seeing like I was, how I was keeping myself as an outcast, as opposed to like how, what would it look like to put myself out there to create something where I'm talking about this with no shame and knowing that it's never too late to fulfill this need Mm -hmm. in a way that I can now. And a lot of that shame has dissipated. And I've like met people who had similar things and I'm interviewing people and all of these things that might, what, I wanted growing up and knowing that it's still capable now, it doesn't matter when it happens, you know, and really understanding again, why is it so important to me and really, um, uh, like a lot of times I think we can have values with our ego and like what we think we need or what we think we want. Um, but really seeing like, why is this so important to me? What is this about this intimate connection that I, that I truly value um, and make it happen as often as possible now? Yeah. It's so interesting that over time, 
you know, like your values, your authentic code can change as you uncover the layers and like what you might've thought was like something very authentic is actually just like very ego driven and has nothing to do with your authentic code. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about fundamental hunger and where, well, you've already told us where the idea was born from, but what, what's next for, for fundamental hunger? Um, what's next? Like we're still in, we, me, me and all myself, yeah, <laughs> we're in, we're in season one. And, um, right now I like, I have so many ideas and like concepts and like videos. And I love being on camera and creating all these things and, um, tapping into my community and asking them questions. I'm like making this video right now about motherhood. Cause I interviewed my mom on the, on the, on the site. And I just want to like create more right now. I'm not really focused on, I have ideas for other seasons, but I think I'm focused on like really involving the people that are interested right now Mm. waiting for like, Oh, it needs to have, you know, a hundred thousand, whatever, or all these little distractions that we can get wrapped in on, but who's here now, who wants to, um, join me in this, mm. you know, how can we uh, do it together? Cause I think again, going back to that lone wolf avoidant, um, you know, I created fundamental because I wanted that sisterhood and I don't think anyone should have to do anything by themselves, mm. no matter what stage that they're in. And so I'm, thinking of like, Ooh, what's a, could be a fun workshop or a thing. I had this like idea for this workbook and I'm, um, I'm sharing, I'm doing this thing actually called 90 days of belonging that started oh. like two and a half months ago now. And I was talking to Tommy and, you know, cause I had so many ideas, but I'm like, I'm not posting, I'm not sharing. I'm not doing like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm like latching on to, well, I need like a, you know, this audio clip or all of these like ridiculous details that do not matter, by the way, your logo can always change. Your color scheme can change. It doesn't matter. Um, but what about me? Am I withholding from this creation? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really about the shame around, like, you're not black enough to do this. Like you can't be the, Mm -hmm. the, the person who did this. You didn't have this growing up. Like who makes you think that you can lead this conversation? Yeah. And I was like, well, there it is. And I always knew, but I'm like, yeah. talking about it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, cause fundamentals all about belonging. And I'm like, I'm going to write about this fear and this shame every single day for 90 days, whatever's coming up. And I've been doing it every single day on my computer. Cause when I journal too fast, I like <laughs> my journals are all just like scribbled, you know, like waves when you're like, that's what it looks yeah. like. Cause I'm like moving yeah. too quickly. Do it on your computer so you can read it after. Yeah. Um, I've taken it. I've done it every single day since I committed that day. I've taken it to a wedding, my computer. I took it to a bachelorette party. I went to like, there is not a day that I have not shown up for this commitment. And I think it's probably going to just be for a year at this point, but I feel like 90 days was just felt good. I'm like, yeah, 90 days of belonging. And I was on my Instagram the other day and I was like, we're going to pick three people to like send an excerpt of like the days that I've written. Cause again, I think it's, allowing things to be messy. And like, I don't need to wait for this perfect thing to release what I'm going through or what I'm experiencing. I'm like, let people in share, like include, like, you know what I mean? And like, see what happens. And I feel Mm -hmm. that's really exciting for me to, to constantly be communicating, sharing, sharing my ideas, involving people, um, and seeing where it goes and not waiting Mm -hmm. for this, like, package thing to like sell, but it's just yeah. me. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And the more I've written and done all these things, I'm way less scared. I like rewatch interviews. I'm not embarrassed. It's like so fun, you know? And yeah. I'm just like, I do it. I'm like, hell yes, I need to do this. I have really great ideas and I have mm. people who want to be a part of them. And I can't wait to see where it goes. I have so many ideas, but mm. you know, you got to like stay focused and like steady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep yeah. going. Yeah. But, um, so I feel like what's next is just continuing to create, continuing to put ideas out there and continuing to invite people into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, when you have such a strong foundation, like something like journaling every day for 90 days, it's like, you're so like that dedication is not going to go unseen. I just feel like the universe is like, Oh, well now that Sal was like committed to this, finally, let's give her like so much more, which is, it's almost like a direct channel just to, I mean, like you said, you've, you've have a ton of ideas and, um, yeah, journaling is so powerful. And I always want to like, I used to write so much and you've just given me my, like, okay, I'm listening. Like I'm going to start writing more again. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so important. And like, even, um, Tommy actually journaled so much. He has way more journals than I did, but it's funny. Cause I was talking the other day. I'm like, I used to journal in middle school and I like kept a journal in high school and like different things. And I, mm-hmm. I can see where, you know, you look back in your life and I'm just like, wow, I was onto something then. I like my younger, there's parts of your younger self that just kind of like knows yeah. you in a different way, but then it just gets stifled. But I look back and I'm like, of course I did that. Like I'm doing that. Now. <laughs> like, that makes yeah. Sense. I mean, I, I was hip to this before. I just like, didn't. Yeah. well, it's so interesting how like you go back, you get, you come back to your more authentic self. And sometimes it's more in the, like, it's reminds me more of like my inner child or who I showed up as like when I was like 12 and 13, it's like, yeah. cause I, I didn't, I hadn't have like all that programming that you receive from society. Like, I feel like I'm always like, everyone's just Benjamin, Benjamin buttoning back to like yeah. their baby <laughs> self. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Um, it's very true. Who are your, who are your expanders right now? Oh, I have so many. Um, I would say jazz of moon who I already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooke, um, I can't remember how to say her last name, but she's this, um, podcaster personality, really raw, really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, very like she just interviewed Janelle Monet the other day and who's another expander for me. And you know, when those moments where you're just like, yeah, they, this person just showed up for this idea consistently and yeah. it's grown into something so beautiful and so her, and I'm like, that's all you can do. Like mm. there's no, um, there's no skipping steps. And when we try to skip the steps, it, you know, we always, come back to the same thing, you know? So I think it's just like, wow, like she can do that. I can do it too. Or, um, who are some other ones? Like, um, mostly I gravitate to, I'm like drawing a blank right now, but just a lot of women, especially black women who are just very, like very fiery, usually like Mm -hmm. Aries or very, um, unapologetic in who they are taking up space and just, um, have really brilliant ideas and that are mostly entrepreneurs, which is interesting because when I was, um, like there were times in my life where I was so obsessed and I'm doing, re-listening to a lot of them, um, like how I built this guy Raz, you know, on, and yeah. I would listen to it before. And I was like, always so expanded by it. I didn't have yeah. that term then, but I was always yeah. so by these stories 
of like the resiliency and tenacity of these people had of just like building something and believing in themselves and being so brave. And I just always found that so inspiring. And I'm like, oh yeah, because you wanted to build something too. And like, that's what I'm doing. And I feel like life right now is kind of telling me you need to keep doing this. Like you are the portal, you are the thing that needs to bring this to life. So I'm, I'm really back into like being immersed in people who are doing that and creating that and just like seeing where it goes. That makes me so happy. So inspired. I'm like, yes, I can do that too. Like you did that. I'm like, okay, me too. Like I can do this. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, like when I was thinking, I was like, oh, how should I introduce Salva? And I was like, well, she's a TBM coach, but I know she has like, she's working on all these other projects. So it's like, you have this like foundation and this platform, and then you can like work and grow off this platform, which I feel like is kind of what all the coaches do. And it's such a cool setup that you have. Cause it's like, oh, well take this work. And now we can like have you grow from there. And yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's taught me so much. I wouldn't have been able to be, uh, you know, kind of even the reflection that you gave back to me of like watching the growth and the power and like, just me being myself, you know, more mm-hmm. freely. And I think that I really needed that. I still need it. And I think that fundamental for me represents again, like going back to that power thing, which is like, mm-hmm. you're not standing behind anyone or anything else. Like this is you like, mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I'm unsupported or I'm like alone, but like, it's me. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like you are the person bringing this forward and really trusting and believing that that's something that I can do. And like that I was made to do, honestly, mm. you know, and like finally getting on board with that. Yeah. 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 Like your, your inner child always knew she's just like, yeah. waiting for you to be like, okay, like, let's yeah. go. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where can people find you and how can people work with you? Yeah. So Instagram is good. Um, at dot. Yasmin, Y-A-Z-M-I-N, um, which is my middle name, which is actually spelled with an S, but that was taken, <laughs> but, um, and then fundamental hunger, like all of my things are on there. You can book through my link tree. If you want a one-on-one coaching, um, you don't necessarily have to be a pathway member. Um, I think it's really helpful to know like the foundational tools of what it's about. Um, but yeah, you can book like a one-on-one session. We can get down and dirty on like all the things you're holding you back. I love, and I think part of the biggest reasons why I love TBM and fundamental is that I love vision holding for people. Mm -hmm. I just think that we need to be able to really say our dreams out loud, like not pretend that we don't want X, Y, and Z, not hiding from ourselves. And I really like to support people to like, this is what you want. I see that for you. This is Mm -hmm. how we can get there. Um, And there's no reason why it can't happen for you. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all it is, is like, we just have some beliefs and we can write some new ones. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously if you want to book my hands, you know, you can also do that on my page. <laughs> um, yes. I'm, I love that. I think that's like, no one would ever want to book my hands just because they're stuck. It's not my thing, but yours, I got well, <laughs> your nails. I'm like, oh, okay. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Um, it's so nice to, nice to meet you and see you and so excited that you came on. Thank you for this invitation. It means a lot. I'm really excited. Um, thank you for having me. And I think I want to do more of these. Like this was so fun, right? Like we, yeah, but thank you so much. I appreciate it.